From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Emily Arnson. This is your news for Thursday, April 6th. Every spring, the Division of Wildlife Resources tries to estimate the state's black bear population so they know how many permits to sell during the hunting season. They want to know how many cubs are born each winter. To do this, DWR biologists track females with GPS collars and then visit their dens at the end of hibernation season to check for cubs. This year probably won't see a boom in Utah's bear population. Wildlife biologist Brad Crompton. Kind of got to think last summer, which started off mighty dry. And we've had severe drought for, for nearly a decade. So, um, so it could be a bit down based on last year. Next year this time, you'd anticipate a pretty good pulse in, in production. Right now, we're in the foothills of the Book Cliffs near Cisco. We're about to visit the den of a 13-year-old bear that Crompton has been tracking since she was a cub. And she's done well and stayed in this Nashwash area of, of the book cliffs for most of her life. She did have a really weird and random movement this fall. Just out of nowhere, she uh, decided to leave the book cliffs and go to Colorado. It was kind of this 100-mile voyage across the desert and spent a month out there, then just came right back. Is that for food, or why do you suppose that is? I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just to, you know, in the, just to look around to see if there's greener pastures somewhere else. Crompton has been crawling into bear dens for over a decade. Once he's in there, he tranquilizes the female so he can check for cubs and change the batteries on her GPS collar. Has a tranquilizer ever not worked? Yeah, often, actually. Yeah. What? Um, just, you know, the nature of their metabolism right now is they're not metabolizing things rather very quickly. Have the bears ever been aggressive when you've gotten to their dens? They're scared, it appears. And they're defensive sort of stuff, but never, I, don't, I wouldn't say aggressive. The DWR keeps tabs on about 30 females every spring. Based on the data they collect from these bears, they can make an estimate about the larger population. Sometimes finding the den is the hardest part of the job especially this year with the heavy snowfall. Even though Crompton had the bear's GPS coordinates, it's not like he knew the best way to get there. Watch out, watch out, rock, rock, rock. Crompton and his partner, wildlife biologist Joe Christensen, scrambled around in the snow to scout out a good path to get to the den. And while they were doing that, I stayed back with the rest of the group, which consisted of curious friends of the biologists, including one couple who brought their four-month-old baby. Once the biologists scouted the path, we hiked about a mile up a pretty steep ravine. How are we going to get down? We tried three different ways. <laughs> they were all bad. Oh, God. We all started whispering once we got to the bear den so we wouldn't disturb the bear, although I'm not sure how effective that was. Oh, yeah. Wow. Do you think she's heard us? Hopefully not. Okay. After shoveling away the snow from the door of the den, Crompton crawled in face first to take a peek. Hey, Bear. Calm down. All right, sweetie. Wide awake. After he tranquilized her, Crompton and Christensen got her out of the den and changed her collar. She didn't have any cubs, which most likely means she hadn't eaten enough before the winter started. If a female bear doesn't already have cubs, she will usually mate in the summer. But the cubs won't always develop if the female doesn't have enough body fat. 
The DWR says it's still too soon to gauge the black bear population this year. Biologists haven't been able to visit as many dens as they usually would by this time because the snow is just so deep. But they say they anticipate the population will be close to last year's at around 5,200 adults. The Interior Department announced that more than $580 million from the bipartisan infrastructure law will be used for water infrastructure across the western U.S. KUNC's Alex Hager has more. The money is going to over 80 projects, including work in five of the seven states that use water from the Colorado River. Supplies from the river are strained after more than two decades of drought and steady demand. Camille Kalimlim-Tudent leads the Bureau of Reclamation. To meet this moment, we must work together through our shared values and a commitment protecting the river, leading with science and with creativity and a shared understanding that unprecedented conditions require new solutions. Federal spending will be used to expand canals, treat water for tribes, and replace hydropower equipment. The Colorado River supplies water to 40 million people across the Southwest. I'm Alex Hager. Utahns are preparing for a big spring runoff after heavy snowfall blanketed the mountains this winter. UPR's Jacob Scholl has more. State and local officials are bracing for the worst as the U.S. Department of Agriculture projects there's over 28 inches of water in this year's snowpack. Last year, there was only around 11. But with all that snow, what's the best way for it to melt off while avoiding widespread floods? For the most part, consistent storms have kept snow on valley floors in parts of northern Utah, including Ogden Valley and Cache County. But snow in the surrounding mountains hasn't melted at all, according to Cache Water District Manager Nathan Dowgs. If we stay wet and it warms up slowly, we still may have flooding. But if we can turn the moisture off for a little while as it warms up and start to bring some of that snow melt down without the extra rain in the valley on top of it um, would be the ideal situation for flooding uh, purposes. Utah emergency officials and water managers like Daugs agree. A slowly warming spring without more moisture is key to avoiding flooding. Ideally, temperatures in the mountains would warm to above freezing during the day, allowing the snow to melt off into valleys, rivers, and reservoirs before dropping below freezing at night. The nightly freeze would slow the runoff, allowing for a more drawn-out release of water. The worst-case scenario would be temperatures jumping into summertime levels all at once during the late spring. That situation played out in 1983 when flooding and landslides occurred throughout Utah. Just one or two sunny days really just melts a little bit on the top and it just melts down into the snowpack. It, it won't start that runoff process. You need longer, prolonged sun events on that snowpack to really get all the way through the, the depth of the snow to start the process efficiently. That was UPR's Jacob Scholl. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, April 6th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6 p.m. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.